Welcome to this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I'm really excited to bring you uh, the conversation that I had with um, this amazing athlete, this amazing ultra runner, but also just a fabulous photographer, uh, Zandi Mangold. Um, Zandi, I I just love his story so much because he's been able to combine two passions into into basically a career um you know we we talk about in the in the show we'll talk about basically the idea of like everyone says follow your passion follow your passion and you'll figure out a way to make it work to make money to make a living uh doing what you love and zandy's really just a wonderful representation of someone who actually does that um because you know i've heard that many times from many different people Um, but I always want that example because it can't be easy. It sounds easy when you're just like, do what you love, you'll figure it out. Right. But the whole, you'll figure it out part is probably extremely (laughs) complicated. Um, and so I was really pumped, really pumped to talk to him because that is exactly what he, what he's done. He's taken his passion for photography and, just chased it, chased it all the way to this weird, wild, wacky world of ultra running, ultra endurance events in, in which, uh, or at which he's done so many, he's done them all around the world. He's a world traveler, world adventurer. Um, he worked racing the planet series, uh, which has the four desert races. We'll talk a bit about that because he's had experience, um, being at those races, running quite a few of them, uh, which are these, stage races in uh four of the deserts around the world um it's awesome if you've ever seen the movie desert runners i think it it was on amazon a few months ago but totally check that out super awesome um but that's that'll kind of give you an idea of what what he's done there uh he ran Badwater this year Badwater's in death valley uh he's ran a race i've always been curious about called the georgia death race so we'll talk about that a bit in the episode um that's one of sean blanton's races uh down in the southeast and uh yeah so he's done it all he's like tasted the smorgas smorgas is it smorgas or smorgas he's tasted the smorgas board we'll go with that of uh ultra running and it's awesome. He loves it. He's learned so much. He has so many stories to share. So Zandy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You were awesome, dude. I had a blast talking with you. Um, we'll mention it at the beginning of the show. There was like a little, like maybe like one and a half second delay between us, which was kind of funny trying to work that out, <laughs> which is totally my bad. Uh, I was in the middle of a lightning storm, so we didn't get the greatest service, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, if you guys want are curious about him and you want to follow him, like I said, his photography, I mean, I guess we've mentioned a lot of his running. His photography is fantastic. Uh, it really captures the sport of ultra running. It captures travel. Um, he does all sorts of different stuff based out of uh, New York City. So uh, check that out. His Instagram is probably the best place to follow him. It's run underscore in underscore shoot so that's run underscore the letter in underscore shoot so run and shoot uh check it out he's an awesome dude wishing the best of luck at everything he's pursuing in the future um if you guys like this this show and this is your first time listening to the podcast go back check out all of our catalog we have all sorts of different adventurers and ultra runners and athletes from all sorts of different aspects of aspects of sports. So um, I just love I love talking to and hearing the stories of uh, people really just chasing their goals and whatever the goal may be. Like I'm fascinated by this process of people being successful and people achieving. So alrighty, check that out. That's like a Bigfoot podcast. Um, we're on iTunes and all those podcast places. Uh, all right, let's get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 110 with Zandy Mangold. Yeah, man, I want to talk to you a little bit about just your career. And I just, I really think it's interesting how you've combined um, photography and ultra running because I've always kind of, I've always felt that 
those two things along with hiking and adventuring, those all go so well with photography. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's real. yeah, I feel extremely blessed and so grateful that I was able to combine, uh, two of my passions. Uh, it wasn't an automatic, uh, fit to begin with. Um, I guess I'll just give you a little background on how that all came about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a photographer in New York city. I'm based in New York city. And uh, a friend of mine who actually I went to college with um, introduced me to uh, some folks at Racing the Planet, which is an amazing uh, stage racing company. Um, and in college, my friend and I had joked about doing adventures together where I would be the photographer and he would be the doctor. He's a doctor now. Uh, and his interest was adventure medicine. And so we totally joked about, you know, combining uh, later on in life. And lo and behold, it actually happened when he was the medical director on a race in 2009 in the Atacama Desert, and I was hired as a photographer. No way. Uh, so that's, yeah, I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> uh, so whatever, whatever scheme or dream you may have, I mean, don't be ashamed to, like, put it out there because you never know. Uh, we graduated from college in... 95 and 96 respectively and so we didn't actually it, it the dream didn't come to fruition for about 13 years yeah yeah 14 years or so yeah but, but still, isn't, that, isn't that funny pretty, pretty it, psyched about that yeah isn't that funny how dreams work like that sometimes like you know you lay the foundation and it might take you know it might take years before it actually the like all the things fall in place for it to actually happen so that's super cool yeah and a completely winding path to get there. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Can you, I, you, know, can you give me? There were points. There were points in there that I was like, I couldn't be further from you know, you know, actually achieving this kind of this this idea of becoming like a National Geographic type photographer of some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, you're gonna ask me something. Yeah, man. So, can you kind of just give us the uh, idea of the? Uh the winding journey you've taken? Um, uh, sure. Um, I'll try not to bore you too much with the details, but, uh, after, well, it all started. I always wanted to be a photographer from the time I was, uh, actually my earliest memories, uh, picking up a camera. I was just, um, uh, I just actually just got a text from you, Chris, because <laughs> you're delayed. <laughs> I so, know. I was like, <laughs> gotten away of your text message i wonder how many what other texts i'm gonna get from no 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 talk i was i was texting Unless you there's another chris ward i, I was <laughs> i was texting you during this because i think the audio is delayed like a few seconds so i feel like you know i keep interrupting you a little bit but uh i think you're not getting it for a few seconds after me so apologies for that man <laughs> i was like i wonder if he's gonna get that and read it <laughs> that's hilarious yeah i i feel i feel you and i feel like i keep interrupting you so my apologies i'm just gonna let you uh complete the sentence <laughs> and i'll just jump in uh but yeah so i always wanted to be a photographer just from from the day from the earliest earliest that i can remember i, I remember looking through a camera and just being captivated by it uh but i was like five or six years old at that point um but actually um pursuing as a career that took a long time and it's a very kind of esoteric field to get into i didn't have anyone that could kind of give me a blueprint so i had to figure it out on my own so it definitely took me a little longer than i would have liked but um in high school i took a photography course and uh i borrowed a camera at the end of the semester i gave the camera back so i didn't have a camera and then in college i kind of weaseled my way into a photo course an independent study and so that was awesome but then again uh photography kind of ended after that but i must say in college i actually had an internship uh in santiago chile where my father's from uh with a newspaper and i completely completely bs my way into that one uh but again it's all about just going after the dream because the program asked me one of the questions that the study abroad program asked was like, what would you really like to do? Anything else you'd really like to do while you're in Chile? 
besides uh, the regular curriculum. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to like, you know, work for a newspaper as a photographer with like zero experience. I mean, just, <laughs> I was like, this is never going to happen, but this is what I would like to do. You know, if you really want to know, and lo and behold, uh, an internship uh, opened up with a newspaper in Chile. So, and again, I went in not knowing anything. I didn't know anything about apertures and ISOs and F uh, shutter speeds, but I knew that if I had the the green light came on when I looked through the viewfinder, that the light was like more or less correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just I was just rolling like rolling like that uh, by the seat of my pants, and you know I got lucky with some assignments there. And uh, but at any rate, long story short, after college, I was I got a job as a journalist in Washington, D.C., uh, and I, again, put my photo dreams on hold. I just didn't know how to break into the into the uh, world of professional photography. And uh, after a couple of years, um, my cat actually got really sick. I had to put my cat down. I was very sad. I took a couple of weeks off, and it was at that point when in this this the temporary state of, uh, I don't want to call it depression, but like extreme sadness. I was like, all right, you know, you just have to, you, it's cliche, but it's, it's true. You have to, um, you have to listen to your heart and, 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 and do things that matter to you. That's the only way to live. So I, um, quit my newspaper job, which was amazing. It was an amazing job. Uh, but it wasn't photography and I went to photo school Yeah, and I'd like to say the rest is history, but it isn't. Um, <laughs> after photo school, I, I came up to New York and I did I did things like working in a nightclub for about a year and a half while I was trying to get my photo career off the ground. And, and, th- and that was the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so far. I'm so far from like yeah. this dream I have. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, since I did have a goal, you know, I was able to... Um, do all these things to survive because I had something that I was really aiming for and gunning for and, and willing to make a sacrifice for. Um, so eventually the, the photo thing worked out and I was shooting in New York and then, you know, I got the assignment with racing the planet, which opened me up to, um, ultra running and, uh, uh, you know, photographing ultra running and the sport of ultra running, which I didn't know anything about. That's awesome, man. So first of all, like the whole go after your passion thing, you know, you hear, so many people say that and I've said it on the podcast and it's kind of like go after what's important to you and eventually you make that work because it's important to you. Um, a lot of people are scared to do that though. And it's not like, I don't know, it just, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think about the idea of, uh, I feel like the misconception is people like go after your passion and everything will work out and everyone just thinks it's going to be an easy thing to do. Um, and, and so you mentioned working at a a nightclub, but still having this goal, but I, I just feel like some people can fall off the path and like lose sight of their goal, I guess, during that time. So like, how did you keep sight of your goal of being a photographer that, you know, even though you're working somewhere else and working in like a completely different field? Yeah, I didn't give myself a choice basically. I think that's important. Um, I was living like, I, w- I mean, I wasn't homeless in New York, but I was living as frugally as possible, like in a loft on a mattress. And uh, I was down to my last pennies, couldn't pay rent. And that's when I got the job in the nightclub. But um, one reason I took a nightclub job was because it would leave the days open. You know, heaven forbid, like a photography job came up or an assisting job came up, I'd be able to take it. Uh, but I think the fact that I didn't give myself a choice and like I didn't take a job that could have been more secure and more lucrative um, and more comfortable um, made all the difference, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Just, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's... it's not it's not easy. I mean, the thing yeah. is, like when any, anything anybody wants to do, like it's not going to be easy because if you want to do it. Probably there are like a lot of other people that have the same sentiment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so does, does you're that, not alone. Like, it's, is that in your mind yeah. during this? Are you kind of like the whole like other people? You know, like I'm I'm in competitive. I'm competing against others, going after the same dream. Oh yeah, 
Absolutely, especially being in New York City, which is, I think, probably slightly more competitive than other places. And then especially in a realm in New York City, there's so many creative people that come here to pursue like a creative arts career, like photography or graphic design, etc. So I was I was so aware of the competition. Yeah. And like I said, like I I didn't give myself a choice. So it was like sink or swim, like find out, you know, because I didn't want to live. The thing is, I didn't want to live the rest of my life wondering like, well, what if I had actually tried my hardest, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been a terrible burden to carry around uh, yeah. with myself. It's no regrets, right? Like I, we we're doing this thing with our, with our students at my middle school right now called seven mindsets. And each week we train them different mindset training. And the first one, really the first kind of thing we did since we're starting the year off is the whole like set set a high goal like don't hold back on your goal um because if you hold back on your goal you're if you don't aim high if you don't even aim high you're never going to be able to reach the heights that you that you might be able to otherwise right and the thing is in you're probably going to fail you know a few times make some mistakes but that's so important because from the like from those mistakes you're going to learn and they're going to allow you to get closer to your goal yeah yeah, man. So you get that's to. Great, it's great to hear that you're you're working with kids like that. Though. Yeah, man. It's it's I remember a really as a as it, a student. I wish I had had you know that kind of guidance. And, oh yeah, it's so important, especially that's, for that's middle wonderful. school students, uh, like as they're developing. And so our whole school is doing this really cool program. So you know, this is the stuff I like to talk about, anyways. So I'm like super psyched every week <laughs> for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when you get to the race, racing the planet. Um, if you can kind of give an idea of like what those events are and then what, what did you see? So you'd had no idea about ultra running or stage racing. And then you saw all these amazing people do this. Like what did it, how, why did it inspire you to get into this yourself? <laughs> well, I did have, I had a, a small, I had an inkling of what ultra running was. And the inkling was that it was uh it was silly it was a silly endeavor <laughs> yeah. it couldn't be healthy and like the people that were doing it just uh had had some issues that they were working out like all know? those things those um, all might be yeah, right really <laughs> <laughs> right exactly the pot calling the kettle black um so I'm sorry. What was your question? So, what did you what did you witness in these first events that made you ah, be like, right. I can do this? Yeah. So initially, like off the bat, I was like, I thought it was a little strange that people would want to do this. I mean, I was I was fired up to photograph it because I was racing the planet has such amazing locations, and it was something to do with sports. I love all sports, so I was excited in that respect. But as far as the people doing it, right, I was. I wondered, like, what in the world? Why? Can't be healthy. Um, and I actually had no interest in actually participating in one of these um, stage running events, stage racing events, or an ultra marathon of any variety. Um, but what happened is while I was photographing, um, I had to get out there on the course and I wanted to capture you know runners in cool locations and quite often the race vehicle that was assigned to me couldn't go to certain parts of the course okay so i'd have to huff it on foot and this is with a backpack full of photo gear anywhere from uh 25 to 40 pounds depending what i take and in order to get the action shots you know have to move quickly on the course and um track you know chase down runners runners and stuff and i started to realize at some point wait, I'm running like as fast or faster than <laughs> a lot of these runners. And like, I'm out here in the same high altitude, uh, scorching desert. Uh, I mean, scorched earth desert. Um, and I'm actually like keeping up granted. I'm not doing the whole race, but so when I started doing that and I actually also enjoying it, like enjoying the thrill of like pushing my body, running through the desert. I was like, Hmm, maybe I could do this. And, uh, you know, it, let's see, I, I really became intrigued by, by that, but as, as I became intrigued by it because I was, uh, 
through via the photography and the the um the physical exertion yeah yeah so, which i hadn't expected it was the last the last thing i expected to happen so then <laughs> i signed up for a race i mean i saw how these people suffered too so it wasn't clueless you know about the suffering that might occur yeah. but i signed up for a race in 2010 in australia because i always wanted to go to australia and racing the planet was doing a race there so i signed up for that race and uh you know with with high hopes and confidence going in (laughs) (laughs) so hard like like it was a six day a seven day race made up of six stages and literally literally two hours into the first stage of the first day i was like oh my god i'm trying to i'm trying to censor my language i'm doing my best to keep it clean hey man you can say whatever you want (laughs) i was thinking i was thinking i'm you know, holy f! I am in way over my head, and I was overheated, and I was like, just passed out in the shade. This is like two hours into the race. Um, so anyway, that was my first uh, ultra running experience. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did I know how hard it was. Yeah. So after after that, after like almost passing out, and then realizing you still have six days, like how did the rest of the how did the rest of the week go? I mean, I, I, you know, jokingly refer to it as a death march. And, uh, I, I, so from that point on, I didn't run any part of the race. I just hiked the rest of it. My IT bands blew up. They're so swollen. Um, I had, uh, like some kind of heat stroke. I ended up needing two IVs at the end of the first day. There's a lot of vomiting and, and things coming out of the other end. I was, I was just a mess, and I had yeah. a headache the entire week. Oh, the dude. entire week, I had a headache, just a just a crushing, pounding headache from the the heat. Um, and, and each day, like it's not like I got better. It's like you never recover. You just go further and further into this this state of unrecovery and um, being worn down. And I didn't bring the right food. I didn't bring didn't bring the right clothes. Like everything was off. It was it was a horror show, and I, I ended up in last place. And at some point in the race, uh, this older Italian lady uh, felt badly for me, and uh, as she was passing me, <laughs> and gave me one of her poles. And without that pole, I would not have finished the race. I mean, it wasn't I was in terrible shape. So I finished the race, came in last place, and that. But what's interesting about that ultra marathon, my first ultra marathon, is that. When I reflected on the race in the days and weeks after, I was like, I felt like the knowledge what I had learned from that one experience took up as as much of my brain as like four years of college. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I it's so weird. Like it's weird because you tell that to people who haven't gone through that, and they would be like, "Oh, so you never did another ultra marathon again? Like that sounded like you." that sound like it sucked <laughs> and then but if you tell someone yeah. who's done a race you're like no it just it taught me a lot and i was it got kind of hooked right and it, i learned so much i was like well what if i did another one yeah. you know what i know now <laughs> and and then the vicious cycle starts of course <laughs> so like did you how how did you do a lot of stage races or like what kind of races are you doing at this point once once the vicious cycle starts yeah so then then i just after the first ultra marathon uh, i kind of want i just want to try every kind of ultra marathon after that basically so i've i've run yeah stage races and hundred milers on trails on roads in mountains along the beach in deserts i I just kind of want to taste everything uh in the buffet of ultra running yeah yeah what's (laughs) and and so yeah i've done everything from like remote desert races that don't really even have trails to um road races like the keys 100 and and badwater that's awesome man what everything in between what's your what's your favorite style like after like you know, tasting the buffet or whatever, like what, what kind mm. of, what's your, what do you like? Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick a favorite. It's kind of like with your students. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. 
Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I do, I do love, I do love uh, the stage races. Yeah. And most stage races have a, I, I don't know how familiar your listeners are with the stage racing format. Dude, but after, so... So I did my first one this summer. So I've, I, they're probably, yeah, they're probably like, uh, they're probably like, dude, seriously, another state. No, (laughs) um, I did, (laughs) I did desert rats. It's like out in Western Colorado. Yeah. Amazing. I've always wanted to do that. Dude, sign up. I'm already signed up for next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. You should totally do it. Throw down. Okay. <laughs> but but yeah, man, so I get it, dude. That was the best race I've ever done, hands down. Like the whole six day event thing. The six day portion of it is yeah. the thing that's that makes the experience. You know, the fact that you're hanging out with a, this these really cool people for more than just one day. Right. And it's amazing. I mean, and maybe that's what keeps me going keeps myself and others going back. And I think I think the main thing is camaraderie. Yeah, you make you know you, you make such good friends. And you have such amazing experiences, and it's it's pretty addictive. Yeah, man. What um, I mean, I mean, in in in, in an enriching sense, it's like wow. Every time, it's just like wow. Yeah, yeah. Def- what uh, do you have a least favorite style of event? Uh, I don't like cold. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of doing anything cold weather. So let me ask. Uh, so basically. Yeah. If if it's hot, I don't care what it is. I'm happy. If it's cold, <laughs> not happy. <laughs> what kind of what kind of cold events have you done? Um, uh, well, interestingly, the cold. I, I actually got hypothermia, and it wasn't supposed to be cold. But I was. I did the Black Rock hundred uh, K in Arizona. It was and and it was supposed to be hot, and I was preparing for like a hot weather race and a little heat training and it turned out to be freezing cold we're running through freezing rain and hail and the temperature was like in the 30s basically 30s all day ended up getting hypothermia so that was definitely the coldest race i've ever run yeah um yeah it's terrible uh i have not run in in like the arctic or antarctica or something but i must say the atacama desert uh, have been those those races those nights during those races have been some of the cold most uncomfortable nights of my entire life even though it's in the hundreds during the day uh, you're at altitude and you're in a desert so the temperature drops uh, below freezing and I'm you're not prepared well personally I'm not prepared because I'm trying to uh, run light so I don't have the proper sleeping bag I have enough that I'll survive yeah but it's not gonna be comfortable and those have been some of the most miserable nights of my entire life. Oh my god! Laying on 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 sharp rocks, can't sleep because I'm so cold. I'm afraid to move because as soon as you move, you lose that little pocket of warm air that you created. But you're sore and and you have to move. So, but that's not actually racing. That that's just in the in the night. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to yeah, I try to avoid cold races. They don't really call out to me. Yeah. So no, have you heard of Arrowhead? Arrowhead one thirty five. I've heard of it and and pulling a sled. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrible. I'm like, who would sign up for that? Yeah, yeah. But I uh, someone that wants to. Yeah. What? Um, I don't know. Some crazy people. I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um. When you like, I guess, have you been to most of the Racing the Planet series? And can you kind of like give us just like describe what these events are like and like how they're different from each other? Yeah, I've as a photographer and a runner, I've probably been to about twenty-five uh, racing the planet races or more. And um, what you mean? What makes each race within their series different, or what makes that race series different from another race series? Um, just yeah, like in their race series, because I've seen the Four Deserts movie, or uh, what was it called, Desert Runners. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but I guess if you haven't seen that movie, like. You know, if you describe oh, okay. them, it's just like, oh, you run through four deserts. They must all be the same. <laughs> but you watch the movie right. and you're like, whoa, these are way different from one another. Yeah, I mean, it is unbelievable the the diversity of deserts. And it's unbelievable what 
Ford Deserts has, Racing the Planet has done to kind of showcase that diversity. So Antarctica is technically a desert because of the level of precipitation that it doesn't get throughout the year. So that's like, I mean, that's the desert on a whole nother level. It's, it's freezing. It's cold. It has penguins. It has seals. I mean, there's, you know, you go out in the water, you're surrounded by killer whales. I mean, it's, it's a desert. Um, and that's, that's one extreme. Um, the Gobi desert is just mind blowing. Uh, it's, it's so diverse. Um, because it, it has elevation. So you're going to be super hot one day and the next day you might be running through a blizzard, a full on blizzard. And, uh, that's all, that's all within the parameters of a desert. Um, and then there's, there's camels and there's no nomadic people going through. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The Atacama desert is my personal favorite. It's, it's, it's so desolate you're out there on your own and uh even though you're outside it has a silence that is akin to being inside of a cave i mean it's just dead silent uh when it's not windy and um it's very very kind of like a martian-like landscape in a lot of parts or like a lunar landscape uh just i mean it's just you, you can't believe you're on planet earth and then um uh, I've been to with racing the planet the the Sahara Desert, which is like the the desert of of Hollywood. You yeah. know, huge sand dunes and camels and guys in turbans and just like every sunset and every sunrise is epic. You know, you have this big orange ball that either is going up or going down, and you can't not look at it. It's just so so epic. That's so cool, um, man. So yeah, I mean that—that's just like a, a brief, brief summation. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, the the difference of the deserts. I mean, it gives you—you know—seeing all that gives you such an appreciation for the planet. Yeah, is that part of it for you? Like, what place? What keeps you coming back? Like, is that? Well, yeah, because each, I mean, each race is different, and like you know, every time you go, you're going to be exposed to something else that planet earth has to offer. You don't know what, but you know, it's going to happen. That's awesome. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, everything. And then like, I mean, sandstorms, which is a phenomenon of, uh, amazing phenomenon of deserts, which like, if you're trying to like plan and direct a race, a sandstorm is like the worst possible thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's your nightmare. But if you are just if you're there for the experience it's just i mean such a force of nature i mean i've seen sandstorms in the gobi desert during the races where half of your horizon is a sunny blue skied vista and like literally split down the middle is a dark frothing angry roiling mass of sand and darkness like to the sky and you see this, and it's coming, you know, I don't know why it's always coming towards you, but for some <laughs> reason the sandstorm is always coming towards you. Yeah, so, I mean, just things like that, unpredictable stuff that is going to happen. And definitely stuff like that keeps me coming back. Yeah, As you, a photographer as and, and as a runner, either way. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think as, like, you being a photographer, do you think that, like, widens your appreciation for those moments uh i think i don't think it necessarily does any more than like anybody else that's there yeah the only difference is i might be trying to see it in more than just like one way or one vista you know uh just to have an image that's different but like but but the thing is that said like there's something that's really great about just like staying in one place and watching everything unfold as well. So I, I can't say that I experienced it any better or worse than someone else because yeah. I'm a photographer. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's, that's cool, man. So what, uh, like, have you ever found yourself, I don't know. Cause you know, the way I, and I describe things this way too, where I'm like, uh, you know, I describe the races and it's always beautiful and adventurous and it's hard. And I'm like, Oh, it's hard. I felt, I felt bad in moments, but like, 
I guess my whole question, I don't even know if this is a question, but last week I did a race in the mountains. It was my first one at high altitude. It was like 11,000 feet for pretty much the whole day. And it was, it was around like 40 miles. And it was the first time I actually like got into this negative headspace, and I just felt terrible. Like most of the day I felt horrible and questioning like, why am I doing this and stuff? Like, so I guess my question is when you do all these, when you travel and you're going like halfway across the world, do you, do you still have moments like that? Or is it, is it easier to kind of push yourself through because you're like, man, I've committed travel to this. Um, sometimes it's, it's like when you're at home and maybe you have like, I think everybody can relate to this. You have like a social engagement in the evening, yeah. but you're like dead tired because you've been working all week or something. And you're like, uh, yeah, man, I'd feel so great if I just stayed home. And like, but for whatever reason you drag yourself out and then you end up having a good time. So that's, you know, sometimes like the traveling does, it, it is tiring and you, you know, I'm carrying like really heavy gear and stuff that you always have to be aware of. You can't like not worry about your camera equipment. Um, so the, the traveling and the, and worrying about the gear and then the pressure to get like good photos is, yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's, it's a little heavy sometimes, but like in, in, in relation to what, you know you're going to get out of the experience and how much you're going to enjoy the experience it's like it pales in comparison so yeah i don't i don't have too many moments where i'm like uh yeah I do this or that's awesome I, I i know how it's going to work out but yeah. like what about during i mean it's a whole it's a whole other thing like yeah like if i'm racing yeah and i have those low moments i mean I'll, i've i've come to learn that a lot of uh success in ultra running is just how do you deal with the low moments? Because it's like when you're feeling good during a race, it's easy. You know, anyone can run well when they're feeling good, but what's going to separate, separate from the pack is how do you deal with the hard times? Um, but I don't know. I have all kinds of tricks yeah, man. <laughs> that I'll try. And like, you know, everything from the, the kind of cliche, like, being grateful and you know which is it really it's not cliche it's a it's a it's a it's a real thing you know like if i'm start to wonder what i'm doing or like feeling like crap and i will consciously be like man you're so lucky though that you can even be out here you know and like i'm just grateful like right away and that kind of takes my mind off what's happening um then when i'm also from feeling low like mantras uh, for instance, when I was running the Keys 100, that was a that was a really tough race. Uh, in May, it was raining for the first 40 miles, but it was also like 85, 90 degrees. So, I mean, there was a lot going on, a lot to manage. I really wanted to do well in that race. I wanted to win it because it meant that it would qualify for bad water. And so then during that race, I hadn't thought about it, but during the race, I started this mantra in my in my mind, I probably said it too out loud. I was like, "Bad water, bad water." Bad water. <laughs> and I was like, and it it, it worked. It worked. It let, you know it took my mind off stuff, and I kind of got to this rhythm. So, I mean, yeah, when you're feeling low, there's all kinds of. I don't know. Just keep. I I personally just keep trying these tricks and see what sticks. And sometimes it's it's just a matter of like taking a gel. You know, maybe yeah. low on calories, so. It's, it's harder to uh, think if your brain doesn't have the food that it needs. So, yeah, yeah. I found this all kinds, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, for this weekend, it was just the altitude for me. Like that destroyed me way more than I thought it would. And yeah, it just everything was off because of the, the altitude being so high. But like you said, my brain, I felt like it was functioning at sixty percent, and it was the craziest feeling ever. Exactly. I mean, if you're not acclimatized, I mean, altitude is, is yeah. crushing. Yeah. What, the only thing that you can do is, is to go down or just slow down. Yeah. 
What was the keys 100? Someone was telling me about some race in Florida where people were like literally swimming on the trails because it rained so much. Was that, <laughs> was that one of them? <laughs> uh, no, no, oh, man. I, I mean, un- unless you actually like got down into a puddle cause some of the puddles were up <laughs> over like halfway at my shins. Okay. Like, I was, it's probably a different race that probably took place like in the swamps or something. Oh, gotcha. With like okay. alligator, alligators okay. and stuff. If you were swimming in the Keys, I don't know. That's not a good idea because there's so many sharks around. But... Great point. Now that I think about it, yeah, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different event. It's called Swimming with the Sharks. Um, I mean, the, Swimming with the Sharks, yeah the next challenge <laughs> yeah exactly well that's awesome man so what what do you have i guess bad water would that be a goal have you been there have you seen the like brutality of the heat oh i lived it man i did i ran bad water this year okay because oh, dude uh, i qualify i qualify for it in may with uh, i won the, the keys 100 so that is an that's a only automatic qualifier for bad water because they're kind of similar races. And, um, I was able to run this year because somebody dropped out, um, at the last minute and I took their spot. So I wasn't like super prepared, but, um, I just was dying to do it. But, uh, I'm sorry. Did what did you, was there a question about bad water? There's just, I mean, I heard that this year it was ridiculously hot. Yeah. It was, it was warm. It, yeah. it was warm a bit a bit understatement <laughs> yeah it was it was it was only i mean so the race starts in the evening so it's like it's cooler 115 degrees fahrenheit <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like it's impossible to wrap your mind around like the race started at 11 p.m for my wave and it was 115 degrees oh my god man! i mean so it's only going to get hotter and uh, this July, um, uh, Death Valley set new records, new heat records. Uh, I think it's the hottest month on record since since they started recording the heat. And during the race, it was 127 degrees. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I lived it, man. The, the furnace, and um, I didn't have a problem with the heat. I think uh, I had done a lot of heat training prior to the race, which definitely helped. And then during the every couple of miles, uh, my crew would put um, ice on my neck and under my hat. And uh, it was so much ice. It was such an intense iceberg that they would put on me that when they when they initially put the ice, when the ice came in contact with my skin, uh, I would kind of get nauseous and an incredible headache just because it was so cold. But I knew that the only way to deal with the race and to not succumb to the heat was to um you know keep this this ice on my body so i'd endure that cold freeze for like a minute and then it, it would feel good yeah how how fast but yeah, yeah it, it, it was it was it was it was so hot like it was so hot it was <laughs> surreal i mean you're in the desert it's like standing next to like an oven door or standing next to a fire but you can move away in those circumstances, but like you're out in the middle of a desert and it's like, there's nowhere to move. And it's just, you have a hair, you have a hair dryer on you, you know, except it's like the size of your entire body. I mean, it was so (laughs) weird. Like it was awesome. Like I was just in that and I was thinking, man, this is really amazing. It's a really cool experience. And it was such that you can't imagine that anywhere else on the planet is not hot. You're just so enveloped in this heat. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Have you have you read uh Corey Reese's book about it? No. Oh, you should check it out. It's called it's called Into the Furnace, which is you know, sounds like a great name for it. Yeah. It per- describes it perfectly. Yeah. I got to It's I, like Into the Furnace, Into the Furnace inside of the furnace. <laughs> I got to ask you um I'm looking through your ultra sign up. So just a couple of races that I, like one, I I've always been interested in Georgia Death Race, and uh, wow, yeah. Can it? Can you talk a little bit about that? It just seems, yeah, Woo! it seems interesting. That <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love the race director. Uh, yeah, Sean. Like, Sean's great. It's a super entertaining um, 
pre-race yeah. discourse, <laughs> pro, a profanity-laced discourse. I've done a few um, of his I races. Had, yeah. So, okay. So you know, yeah, it's like totally awesome. And when I did went to the Georgia Death Race, that was definitely the hardest race I'd ever done. Like hardest one day challenge yeah. ever. Um, a lot of it had to do with I did have a sprained ankle going into that race, and the race has it's like very technical, so that made it more difficult. But uh, I mean, and and there's there's a that race is interesting because um, Sean will throw a lot of curveballs at you, which is cool. You know, every you know everybody's facing the same curveballs and and in it together. So yeah, that that was amazing. And um, I personally, I love the uh, Appalachian Mountains. I grew up in New Hampshire. Uh, so I felt right at home on those trails, even though they were down in Georgia. Um, it was just awesome aid stations. Everyone's into the race. Uh, highly recommend it. But be sure to uh, practice on very hilly technical trails. Yeah. yeah. Going it before you do that race, yeah. Yeah, man. Those, yeah. those like, I, I lived in Virginia for a few years, so the trails out there are just so rocky and rooty. And, like, there's yeah. no switchbacks. You go straight up or straight down, it seems like. Yeah. Right. And a lot the, the problem is you can't see a lot of what's underfoot because at the, the time of year that the Georgia death race takes place, uh, there are a lot of leaves on the ground. And so that made it more difficult. Oh, wow, man. Um, that's that's with cool. The, with the propio proprioception yeah yeah what do you, what uh what do you got planned for this year anything any big thing coming up any big travels or any big race uh, yeah actually um a couple things i'm heading out to colorado in about a week no way to do some yeah do some oh yeah yeah on, we can do some uh promotional photography for a race that's going to launch next year okay called legendary races and that's a that's going to be a stage race, six-day stage race. No way. Um, Where's that at? exciting because it's take, taking place in the Leadville area. Okay. Oh, that's my favorite I've area. I've never been to. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be epic. And then, um, let's see, after that, I'm, I am doing the Chicago Marathon. Uh, I'm just going to try to break three hours in the marathon for once, <laughs> for once and for all. Yeah. Once and for all. And uh, then in April... Um, doing the four deserts race in Namibia. Okay. Which is going to be amazing. That's awesome, man. Dude. So yeah, that's that's all other other stuff will come up for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. So I guess if you could leave, like I always ask people this at the end of the podcast, but you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they want to take some sort of like actionable step, uh, towards their own goals like what what kind of like really concrete piece of advice would you give them ah talk to people like don't be afraid to talk to people about what your dream your goal your vision is uh because for for one for one thing feedback is great but also you might talk to someone that knows what you're talking about and can give you concrete advice that's awesome um and also i mean whatever you're thinking like i always tell i I work i coach uh, cross country at sarah lawrence and i try i talk to kids as much as i can i think kids are great they have such good energy and i want to give back to kids stuff that i didn't get when i was a kid and that's basically like the, the piece of advice is that like we talked about um whatever you're interested in or what you want to do, like 100% go for it, you know, because even if you don't achieve exactly the dream or the goal that you're after, you'll probably end up doing something that's related to it and it's going to be as fulfilling. Yeah. That's so, awesome, man. Like, don't, don't, don't limit yourself. You're the only person that's going to limit yourself, you know? Yeah. Other people may tell you it's not a good idea and it's not responsible and blah, blah, blah. But it really doesn't matter. Like whatever you're interested in, there's a way to uh, make it your career. I mean, we all got to make a living. So yeah, that's awesome, dude. Thank yeah. you so much for for chatting with me today, man. I I yeah, I just uh, it's just amazing. I love hearing from people who have done 
stuff all over the world and just like this huge variety of things because it's kind of like why what else are you going to do in your life you know you might as well try to experience as much as you possibly can yeah i mean yeah if that's what you want to do yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you want to sit on the couch all day that's great too go for it and i'm sure you can figure out you can figure out a way to do it you know be the world's best movie critic netflix critic yeah yeah totally man (laughs) totally so yeah but i'll i always tell people your race your pace that's awesome that's awesome well zandy thank you for thank you for coming on the show and we'll i'll dude i will definitely be in contact like i definitely want to hear more from you at some point if that's if that's cool oh that'd be awesome that'd be awesome cool man having me and uh we'll, we'll talk about colorado sounds good There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you, Zandy, for coming on the show. Once again, if you're curious to check out his photography, um, look up run underscore in underscore shoot. So run underscore the letter in underscore shoot on Instagram. You can check out all of his photos. He has a photo with Slash. Um, (laughs) I I wanted to bring that up with him so bad, but I ran out of time. But that's super cool in my book. I think, like, what would be cooler than getting to hang out and photograph Slash, you know? And you never know if Slash is, like, you never know what he's doing behind all that hair, behind those sunglasses, you know what I mean? He's He could be sleeping during your photo. You never know, which is, which is what makes him such a fascinating rock star. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Zandy, thank you. You rock, dude. Uh you know, I, I just loved talking to him because he's he's experienced so much of life, right? Like he's been all around the world. He's participated in all sorts of different events. Um, he's just really like kind of going all in on life. So uh, what else, you know, we talked about going all in last week on the show, but really why wouldn't you just go all in on life, right? Why wouldn't you try to experience as much of it as you possibly can? And, you know, I, and listen, like for me, I know for a fact right now in my phase of life, I'm at like going all the way across the world to the Sahara or uh, Chile to the desert. Like that's probably not a possibility because, you know, uh, at this point, like, with kids and all that stuff, you know, going all the way across the world is a bit more challenging, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, you know, it's something I never want to do ever. You know what I mean? So you might as well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is experience life to its fullest, no matter what you're doing. Right. Cause you could be hanging around your house and you can still experience life to your fullest in that moment. Um, so go for that. Go for it. Go out and do something cool. Uh, sign up for some awesome races, whatever that may be. Something that challenges you. Doesn't even have to be a race. Maybe you're signing up for like a yoga class you've always been too intimidated to go to, or um, you know, like you've always wanted to learn how to swing dance or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, something that might put you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. But go get them, guys. Uh, hope you guys have a good week, and we'll get back at you next week. Peace.